just just so you know, I, I started recording. We can cut bits, you know, because I know you're going <laughs> to dish the dirt on everything. So I think uh, it'd be good if you could introduce yourself so people know who you are. Sure. Uh, Joel Hart, I'm the founder of Mediotype. We're a Magento-focused agency out of Colorado. Um, have a lot of deep roots as a Magento engineer and a software engineer in general. How long have you been doing Magento? Uh, since beta, I was building e-commerce systems in Cold Fusion. Uh, had to do one e-commerce system in PHP from scratch, and then Magento came out and took a look at it and said, "Well, you know, there's a lot more here than you know what I've done, and this is what I want to build." So just started working with that. And you're still like uh, what I would call a kid, right? You're not not yet an adult. <laughs> so it's, it's 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 shocking. You've been around in this space for ten years. Uh, 11 years. So what was you doing before? Yeah, right before jumping into Magento and and e-commerce at Mediotype and Cold Fusion, uh, I was doing like a financial reporting tool uh, with Novartis and then some electronic hospital records with DaVita. And then prior to that, just kind of, you know, a lot of restaurant websites and static websites um, in the Colorado area. This was as your own business or did you work for somebody else? Uh, Just by myself kind of freelance. Uh, Have you ever worked for anyone else or are you one of these entrepreneurs from birth people? Uh, you know, I've, I've had some, I've had some restaurant jobs uh, after high school, you know, got to pay the bills, a um, little bit of that, and then a little bit of working for other people. But um, in both those engagements were kind of B2B, you know, freelance contractor engagements. I never realized that. I, I, I don't know why. I didn't really think about it. But yeah. yeah Back in high school, um, I had a job working with like Photoshop and uh, Macromedia Director for touchscreen kiosks. We did some cool things. We did like a museum uh, for a company in Michigan. We had James Earl Jones's voice for that interface. That was neat. Did a little bit of IT work at a GIS company when I was like 17 uh, that did, you know, satellite imagery, mostly for like battlefield mapping, things like that. Um, yeah, always kind of a dork, I guess. <laughs> but you're a CEO dork. And, and how big is the uh, company now? Uh, I think employees. 41 or 42 people. Wow. And you got That's some weird. pretty good names, right? I would say in the Magento community space, like in terms of who you're hiring, you, you definitely punch high, yeah? And, and uh, maybe you can list that a few people that, you know, people would know and some of them that people wouldn't know be good for people to know who works at Mediotype because you're fully remote as well as I understand is that correct? Uh, not fully but mostly I think most of our engineering okay. team is remote uh, we have a lot of management team at our headquarters in Colorado um, yeah somehow we we kind of put together you know our version of the 92 Chicago Bulls um, I think we've got two Magento Masters uh, exam certification board member and then Quite a few pretty well-known community contributors. Yeah, look, da- yeah. David springs from one. I can never da- it. David. David Alger, uh, Navar yeah. Barney, Rick Bozinski, uh, Damien Kulata, Lee Safright. Um, a lot of people know Lee. He's run the Open Mage Mirror for Magento One for a really long time. Then, how do you manage to attract all these people? Why are they not coming to work at Shipper HQ? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of it's deep relationships, right? Uh, a lot of these guys, uh, you know, directly or indirectly uh, got the opportunity to collaborate with over the years. 
uh, and work together and see some of each other's work. And, you know, a lot of us have done some publicly facing work and kind of cross paths with each other on that work. Um, so, you know, over years in the community, we've gotten to know each other um, and just, I guess, got blessed to get the opportunity to work with these people on our team, uh, which is really great uh, to watch kind of what's being built, what's unfolding is really, really quite amazing. And how do you find that? Like, I know, like myself being a technical CEO, right, which is, is where you're coming from. Yeah. Are you are you finding that you're, you know, slowly de-skilling or rapidly de-skilling around that? And is that something you're comfortable with or are you still keeping your hand in? Well, I might I might still be the best Magento one engineer on our team, uh, but I don't really do any work anymore. And I'm definitely not the best Magento two engineer on our team um, by far. So I, I try to stay out of it. I mean, at this size, uh, you know, my responsibilities have to do with growth and a lot of administration and kind of directional things uh, as the company moves forward. And to get tied up in some of the engineering work uh, is really a distraction from, from where I need to spend my time and priorities. So not so much these days. Uh, and I think the company is big enough, you know, that if I jump in, they're like, hey, what's what's the big boss doing? Am I doing something wrong? Um, you know, when we were smaller, I could jump in and, you know, it was really fun to work together with a lot of these guys um, side by side. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's what I'm finding as well. You know, you, you've got to step back from some of that engineering side, even though that that's in a way our core skill, right? You'd argue, but as, as time goes on, you, you have to, you know, take on the business aspects of it and, and learn how to do a good job there and be pushing that forward because the engineering doesn't matter if you're not. You know, yeah, that's, that's right. I, I, I think there's a lot of experiences, though, you know, that came out of engineering uh, that when they're applied to the business side are are really good for business. You know, even just things like thinking in terms of efficiencies uh, yeah. and resource yeah, planning. Yeah. So I think I think it's great. You know, I, I really enjoy the technical background. Uh, it certainly makes you more authentic when you're working with your clients or your partners. Um, you bring a lot to the table in that skill set. Yeah, and I hear uh, I hear the slight noise of children in the background. So for for a kid, you've managed to have children as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're we're expecting another one in February as well. Um, I'm working from home today, so I'm sure there's some some child play upstairs. Congratulations! So you've got uh, how, it's a daughter, yeah? So yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I think I met her. You did. I met you her. You did. Right? You met her in Vegas this year. Imagine. Yes. Yeah, I remember. And uh, she's how old? Uh, Nineteen months. I mean, it's probably a good good segue. Like, I I know I don't have a very good uh, work life balance. Like, my kids are a little bit older than yours. They're twelve and fourteen. Um, you're gonna end up with about the same age gap by the sounds of it. Um, the and I started the business when my kids were one and three. I just like. Wow. In terms of your work-life balance, like how are you uh, dealing with that? And especially, it's for you, it's a little bit different, right? Because you've had the business for ten years, and then well, eight years, and then then the children arrive. Then had a kid, yeah. yeah so I, I don't know. I don't know how I would start a kid with uh, or start a business. I mean, it, I guess it is a kid um, with two children. I think that would be very difficult. Yeah. And so, yeah. what type of hours do you do now? Like, what? How does it work for you? Because you're you're bootstrapped, right? Is that correct? You... We are. Yep. Yeah. So, so you know, that's a lot of pressure, right? There's, there's no, there's no. Uh, I don't know if you have a board or anything like that, but like you're, you're a sole founder, bootstrap company. I, I know that. Correct. 
the pressures that come with that. Like, how, how do you manage it in terms of your working week? Do you have a strict schedule there? You know, it depends on the year. Um, I think at this stage, I like to get up early, uh, start work early, work out early, you know, and get, if, if, if I go home by five, I'm probably already put in like a 10 or 11 hour day. Um, that works better for me than, you know, burning the candle at both ends, uh, which is really easy to do. I think when you're in this role, um, you see a lot of things that need to get done and you, know, you just get to it. Right. Yeah. So you have like a so, strict cutoff time then, do you? Like, so five o'clock, that's it. You're out. It's over till uh, It might be seven. I mean, you know, but, but you'll rarely catch me working after like 7.30 or 8 at night, uh, you know, maybe reading or doing a little bit of prep work. But um yeah, you know, try not to get into it too much. It's better for me if I unwind, get a good night's sleep, and you know, get up at four thirty or five in the morning. That's an early start. <laughs> I don't go to bed yep. till four. No, <laughs> some of them. <laughs> well, that, that's the problem is uh, you you work at night, and you know, midnight becomes two thirty in the morning really quickly. Um, yeah. But then you got to get up and do it again. So so try to try to have some rules there when I can. Yeah, I think everybody does it differently. Like for me, I'm I'm definitely a bit of a night owl. Like I like the peace and quiet of evening, so I find yep. that I can concentrate better then. So I, I try. I used to I used to be that way. <laughs> okay, so you, yeah, but I, it's yep. different because like my kids are older now, yours are younger, right? So you have different demands on your time, kind of thing. Um, yeah. And uh, I well I well to be honest with you, I've always had it. I don't know about you, but. I've always had a pretty pretty good deal around the the child thing. So my husband's like being at home, you know, and helping on that, you know, and taking really a lot of the strain that's allowed me to concentrate on the business. So without without him now, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But the uh, I, w what I try to try to do is like the opposite of you, really, because I'm a night owl. I'll get up late, so I I try not to set meetings for uh, before ten o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm still up at seven, right? But but I'm not chasing around at seven if you know what i mean like so quite often i won't get into the office until about nine and i just take it a bit easier in the morning like some mornings yeah I and I, I i used to operate that way i think at one point i just decided that you know i'd rather have those quiet hours while everybody else is sleeping at yeah. 4 a.m than at, than at midnight yeah what's that whole well there is that whole adage of you know ceo life is you pick which 90 hours of the week you want to work and i do think there's a little bit of truth in that but it, I, i'm trying to work on the work-life balance and i think it's wrong when you're working you know 90 hours right i'm a big fan of actually and like all this all of my staff I'm, I'm very strict on them you know finishing work going home forgetting about it and what needs to be left should be left i'm i'm not so sure i'm strict enough for myself and i don't know if you find that you know like the, the standard same here yeah. uh, same here I, mean, I, could, I can totally relate and it's yeah. you know every now and then you burst up for a deadline or something like that but yeah, uh, we, we want to, you know, go back to work life balance. I think it's better, you know, for high performance teams over over the long term. Uh, yeah. I think we've all seen projects where everybody's working all hours of the day to try to finish. And, uh, you know, it doesn't go well and yeah. you know, hurts your hurts your people and you want your people to, um, mm -hmm. you know, really be high performing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we you know, in, in the team, we, we tend to stick by, I think, for most part, I suppose. There's a couple of people that, that maybe work a bit weird hours, like Genevieve in Australia, but that's, you know, so thoughtfully around the other side of the world. Um, <laughs> but uh, on the Magento side, like, so you've you've been there with Magento One, right? Uh, company, yep. I from knowing you, I think your company's expanded quite a bit with Magento Two, so that's been 
a successful move for you? Would that be fair to say, going from one to two? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think really the the pivot point was more when I stopped working directly on, on our client projects and you know stepped into leadership uh, more fully. We were able to grow a lot faster. Yeah. Um, less less of a Magento one versus Magento two thing. Uh, I do think you know Magento two seems to be really taking hold. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting to see the, you know the projects that are running right now. And you. Uh, you don't do anything with any other platforms, right? You're a pure Magento house. Right? Yeah, you know, from time to time, uh, we get involved in, in little things here and there, uh, whether it's middleware or, you know, some .NET system or Java system or Lambda or something in between. Uh, we, we've done some Laravel uh, applications that are pretty interesting. Uh, but, yeah, most of our work is done in Magento. And do you think that's a far. thing as an agency? Because I know that... I mean, there's a, you know, people talk about this a lot and, and maybe privately and not publicly so much. And, um, you know, obviously we have, you have to be slightly careful what we say, but, uh, it, you know, some of the agencies are, are diversifying, right? So they'll pick up Shopify or they'll pick up e-commerce or, you know, we, you're even seeing some of them like that, are, you know, doing stuff with Salesforce and SAP and things like that. But for yourself, you've never seen that need to diversify and, and be cross-platform. No, I think we just really wanted to be good at what we do. Um, myself and a few other people on the team, I think, have done demandware implementations a long time ago. We've certainly taken people from demandware to Magento. Um, you know, we've we've heard some pain points with Salesforce Commerce Cloud and some good things. So every merchant's different. You know, every business is different. I think. You know, some of those platforms may make sense for some of the smaller merchants or simpler situations, and you know, some of them might not. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier about uh, with Vertex, right? About defining, you know, where people sit. I mean, the conversation got kind of interesting. Uh, I was talking to Aaron from Vertex. I won't go into it, but basically, we were deciding <laughs> small was a really bad word, right? Because nobody wants small. I mean, this is, <laughs> so, so <laughs> talking about. <laughs> Well, it depends. If you're on a diet, then small is great, right? But apart from that, nobody wants small. So we're talking about small, mid, and enterprise, you know, like and where and where it all sits. I mean, I'm just wondering, like, what your view is on that, and um, you know, like, you know, if you're willing to share it on, you know, where you think the Magento ecosystem's going, and and how you see that, because I think everybody's sure. got a slightly different viewpoint on it, and also a different viewpoint on where they want their company to sit. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting topic. I think the the jury's still out. There's a lot of movement, you know, towards a different classification, you know, for those those market sectors. I think with Adobe, um, Adobe looks at enterprise as you know five billion plus, and mid is you know five hundred million to five billion a year. Um, I think Magento came from looking at mid as like you know ten or twenty million to hundred million, and enterprise above that. Um, so I, th I think they're very different markets uh, in terms of where Adobe is an ecosystem. I think there's still a lot of opportunity for Magento, you know, across across all layers of that. Uh, but I think Magento is also getting exposed to uh, much larger implementations and operations than it was previously. And do you think that's a good thing for you as an agency? Like, so the Adobe acquisition and stuff like that. Do you think that's a? Do you think that this is a positive for you guys? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's companies that wouldn't have even talked to Magento that you know immediately would take a meeting with Adobe, right? Yeah. 
So, so you think that we're going to start as an ecosystem punching higher? Would that be a conclusion you would make, or do you think that we're still going to support the? You know, like if you talk about the Magento ecosystem traditionally, I would say that a lot of its market was in the five to hundred million category. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of challenger or startup or newer yeah. uh, brands and operations, uh, some bigger ones too. I, I think punching higher, yes. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how agencies scale uh, because a lot of these engagements are going to require you know, larger, longer running teams. Um, historically, Magento's kind of come from the, you know, let's build you a website background. Um, you know, a lot of marketing agencies, a lot of WordPress agencies got into the space based on demand. Um, we kind of got into the space based on, you know, a rich background of enterprise software development and architecture um, and saw Magento as a good opportunity for that. I think the market was really young. I think at this point, it seems like the market free commerce is maturing quite a bit. Um, we're seeing also a lot more, you know, regulation move. E-commerce has been kind of the wild, wild west. Um, even at the government level, uh, we see a lot of you know, move towards how do we handle tax and how do we, you know, figure out this thing and data breaches and, you know, all of the things that, that go along with this new territory are starting to get sorted out. Yeah. So you think that there's going to be a big opportunity around that for agents? Because your, your agency seems to me to be a better position than most in terms of being ready for uh, the, the kind of the, the larger customers that Adobe is going to bring to the table. Um, yeah, I think so. I think we're the only uh, Magento agency with a SOC certification, uh, you know, which is a really important thing for anybody with a Sarbanes-Oxley requirement. So any publicly traded company or, you know, formerly audited company, uh, you know, PCI compliance is great. SOC's a, just a different way for those organizations to engage um, more easily. Yeah. And uh, on your actual kind of, if we talk about the technical side of it uh, a bit, like when when you do the different builds for the for the different customers, are you, are you reusing a lot of tool set that you're building out, or do you, are you finding that, that every single one is just bespoke and different? Um, you know, you know that's you're... a that's an interesting conversation. I think uh, a lot of technology trends towards unified, like reusable, installable. Mm. You know, click a button and it works. I think with e-commerce and kind of the unique uh, differences of all of these organizations, uh, having a unified model or something that's highly reusable is really challenging. Um, sometimes it's challenging from an IP standpoint. Sometimes it's challenging just from uh, you know integrated systems and legacy systems and workflows and customer experience and you know your catalog uniqueness. Um, there, there's so many different aspects. I don't see. Magento work or e-commerce work truly being able to move towards like, you know, a Shopify model where this one thing kind of fits all. Yeah. There's a few things you can install, but um, I, I don't think that's going to work for everybody. You can't streamline at this level of complexity, basically. You're saying like all, all you can, yeah. there's limits to how far you can go with that. Yeah, I, th I think there's limits uh, to how far you can go with it. And, you know, I think there's a lot of situations we see where something somewhere in the chain requires something really custom mm. um, yeah, you know, and that's important. I see David Alba coming on quite a bit about uh, stuff like the DevOps side right like AWS and Google Cloud and stuff and obviously there's Magento hosting and you have the other providers as well like MageMojo and Nexus and I think like stuff like that it's like interesting to see you know merchants decisions about where they want 
you know, there's stuff to be hosted and then about how you handle that, right? Because, you know, one merchant's quite happy with AWS, the other one won't go on there at all, um, you know, things like that. And you, you must hit those kinds of challenges, I would assume. All the time. I'd, I'd say like, you know, the four big players for Magento 2 are probably Magento Cloud, uh, you know, WebScale, MageMojo and JetRails. Right. Uh, because they're all, you know, they're all taking a cloud-based approach. Um, three of those scale horizontally. The fourth, I think, is trying to. And then, you know, past that, you know, we've seen a lot of custom infrastructure, whether it's Google Cloud or Azure or AWS. Yeah. Uh, that, that a lot of varieties of that. Is that largely led by a client, you know, what the client's asking for? Or you guys, are, you're acting as consultants to, to advise where to go yeah. as well? <laughs> You know, it's a little bit of both. I think for some of these bigger companies that are, you know, modernizing uh, their practices, it can be challenging to to get them to approve cloud um, in general because of, you know, some legacy policy or you know, security constraints or compliance constraints that they mm-hmm. think play in and just, just getting them to change the way they think um, can be a challenge. A lot of times for us, it, it is on a you know, recommendation basis, um, but it, it's based on needs. So we see a lot of um, projects that we work with that are really high volume uh, in unique ways, you know, pushing 10,000 concurrent users and, you know, millions in day of revenue. Um, so th- those c- types of situations, you know, may necessitate uh, some of the, the cloud infrastructures as being more viable uh, yeah. or more, more appropriate. Yeah. And it's interesting, isn't it? I think from... You know, sometimes like from an outside perspective around the, the platform and then the agency to use and, and understanding who's best to go with, right? Like I, we're a tech partner, right? So we don't get involved in the full build side of life. But it seems from, from certainly where I'm looking that there's so much difference between agencies. It's really important for merchants to go out and, and you know, find out what you guys are all about, you know, and, and get do that due diligence at the start. And on the platform side as well, um, you know. Yeah, big time. Yeah. Do you do you find then that uh, you're sort of um, you know getting involved in these pitches early? Like, how are you seeking that out? And then your level of interaction with them, you know, is there's got to be a lot of upfront work before you even get to the point of writing, you know, your first line of code, right? Yeah, and I think that's one of the challenges with the the bigger projects too is uh, you know mapping it out so that everybody understands you know what what we're doing together um, and how much of that you do up front or during or along the way. And some of these projects are so big and take so long that you know during them um, you know the market's changed and the client's needs have changed and you've pivoted and you know the scope's increased or decreased. Um, you know, they're really, you know, who we are at Mediotype is a very collaborative kind of long-term partner uh, for our clients. And I think that's that's one of the things that's a little different, uh, just how how much we involve our clients in our, you know, practices and life cycle. Um, you know, we're not a black box where you go behind the scenes and show them something a few months later. Um, so I think from that from that perspective, you know, we, we tend to attract clients that have uh, more interest in that type of relationship. I think, you know, some merchants, it works really great to go to a marketing agency and you know, focus on the creative design and then implementation is a bit of an afterthought. Yeah. And then uh, how do you tackle, you know, you must get the, the Shopify and big commerce question, right? Like. Like, how, you know, what's your view on that, right? Like, when when should a merchant be using Magento and be 
and be doing this or, and when when should they be looking at stuff like Shopify because obviously there's a lot of Magento 1 merchants out there that you know find this landscape hard to navigate yeah and I think uh, some of these other platforms have gotten an opportunity uh, because the demand was so high for Magento and the supply wasn't there for so long uh, you know I think we've all seen bad work out in the ecosystem um, you know, when, it, when it's done well, uh, typically merchants are happy, but at the end of the day, if they've had a bad experience, you know, oftentimes they think it's a platform problem rather than a, you know, who we worked with and how we went about it problem. Mm. So it's, guidelines wise, you know, I don't know. I don't know that there's a general rule, Karen. Um, I think simple catalog, simple situation, um, easy integrations, you know, either of those platforms can work for you. Yeah. Um, there's limitations to both. You know, neither do multi-store very well. Um, neither do customizations very well. I mean, to a degree, yeah. you can get somewhere, but not not really where you need to be yeah. for most people. And then, you know, there, there's differences in feature sets. I recently was having a conversation with somebody over the weekend about, you know, microservices versus component architecture. Yeah. And there's... Uh, you know, some, some high level concepts that make microservices architecture really appealing. And I think from an implementation standpoint, um, even if you have a Magento fully microservices layer, um, one of the great things about Magento is you've already got this kind of like flushed out, well-defined, but easily extensible component lifecycle. And something a lot of people don't think about, you know, with other microservices alternatives is you've still got to like build an app somewhere and, and implement components and component life cycles that are integrated with those microservices layers. And that, you know, isn't necessarily a cost savings or time to market savings, uh, depending on what the project's needs are, right? Yeah. I think, I mean, my kind of view on it is that it's like anything, right? That, you know, you, you do get what you pay for, really, um, in, and in terms of complexity and stuff like that. You know, it's like, you know, you, you can, you can go and buy, you know, something cheap and it's going to do a certain job for you and maybe that's enough, right? Just like you could go yep. and buy, uh, I don't know, like a, a cheap pen knife, right? Like, and, and that does the job that you need a pen knife to do. But as you move up, then you find you need all these different tools and everything else. And, you know, that that's where your limitations come in. I think, I suppose for me, like with Magento, the, the thing that's really important, and I think with Asian society, you managed to expose it, is that, it's a bit like having a Ferrari where you can get underneath the hood and replace things, right? Like you can pretty much take the whole thing apart and build whatever you want out of it. But yeah. you've got to know how to work that Ferrari because if you don't, you're never going to get the full use out of it. And that that's, but, you know, with some of these other well, absolutely. Things, them capabilities are just not there. And maybe as a merchant, it doesn't matter that not everybody wants to drive a Ferrari, right? That's the... That's, that's the key thing, and, and you know, uh, that's the way I, I don't know if you see it the same way, but I, I kind of see it like that, that different different companies and different merchants have different needs, and, um, you know, Magento gives you that ultimate flexibility, but it, there is a complexity that's associated with that that requires... Yeah, absolutely. To navigate. Is that absolutely. Anything? You know, I absolutely agree with you, and, and I also, I think, heavily that technology is a people business and yeah. at the end of the day you know the merchants that do really well whether it's with magento or any other platform uh, tend to figure out how to organize you know operating teams that can use the system to yeah. leverage its value yeah uh, the merchants that don't don't do so well um, 
typically don't have people that are leveraging the tools that you know you're giving them and some of them accidentally get lucky you know might be in the right market in the right time but uh that's that's one of the biggest struggles i think and i also think on the agency side you know deciding on the solution and the implementation uh, a lot of people forget to consider that when you give them this thing uh there's people that that are going to be required to work with this it's going to be part of their day-to-day life and you know helping your merchants understand how to organize that successfully is just as important as giving them a great product yeah yeah that's so true we we were touching on this weren't we the other day on linkedin about you know technology is all about the people and i know um when I went to the Adobe Summit, you were at the Adobe. I seem to remember us being at a bar. You were at the Adobe Summit. I think right? we had a great time at Summit. Yeah. We had a small crew from the Magento ecosystem, and it was lovely. I think that'll be um, one of those you, memories you're not that, that we talk the, about for years. You're not one of the influencers, though, are you? Are you nope, I was influencers? not. I was not part of the Adobe Insiders program. Um, yeah. You know, just with where the where the market's going, I felt it was important to show up and yeah. uh, connect with people and and get to know the ecosystem better. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I think it was me, you, Rachel, and Erin at a bar at one point in the win. I remember. Yeah. Everything's yep. blurry for me, but I think it's because most of it involves alcohol. I'm not sure. I'm either I'm either drunk or in the process of getting drunk, or I have a hangover. So. <laughs> I'm a really good representative for anyone who wants to employ me. <laughs> but, the, but, the, but the Adobe Summit, I, I just thought it was really interesting and the, op- the opportunity that it's it's going to give us around what's going on. But like, if we talk about the, the people side of it, it seems to me that one of the biggest assets that we have as a Magento ecosystem is, is the knowledge that we've gained over the past 10 years and then the ways that we've fed this out. And it could be in our internal tooling, it could be in the products that we've built, it could just be in the way that we understand how to jump on a phone call and have a consultation with somebody and get to the meat of what's required, right? But sometimes I think that's underestimated. And I I certainly have seen that, you know, like with some of the recent Shopify announcements around shipping, I'm looking at it going, well, we were doing this kind of stuff 10 years ago. So it's not a big thing to me. And I think sometimes the Magento community is not good at kind of blowing their own trumpet about what we can actually do. I mean, do you find that? I agree with you. Yeah. And, and yep. we need to get better at that, like, and get better at kind of putting it out there about, you know, what, you know, the, the expertise that we have as people. And I think that that, to me, seems to be one of our biggest assets that we can bring to this new Adobe ecosystem, as it were. Yeah, you know, I think so. And I think the other thing is there's so much momentum. There's so many people in this community. Um, we're all organized around the technology. Uh, to me, that that really brings an exciting opportunity for technology uh, to have a really long lifespan, less seasonality yeah. um, and, and more more exciting opportunities over time. Yeah. Um, you know, anything that has this large of a community and this much momentum is going somewhere. Uh, it's exciting to be a part of. And, and I agree with you. I think there's there's a lot of times where you know we in the Magento ecosystem really need to get focal about you know what's under the hood and what this thing does and how good it is, um, especially in relationship to some of the marketing efforts from other platforms um, that are you know not even close to catching up. Yeah, and I think as a group that like, we're able to do that, and you know um, you know it's a you don't always need budget to do that, right? It's about it's about collaborating together and. Uh, you know, celebrating each other and what each other has done. And I think, you know, 
I don't know. I think that sometimes with Magento, like there's been this focus, you know, they focused and they wanted to sell the business and they did that to Adobe. But there is this yep. massive ecosystem that's still here. Um, I think that we, we need to get together as that ecosystem and say, hey, you know, we, we have a lot of value to bring and, and make sure that we, you know, work together and collaborate around that to ensure that our voices are heard, even if we don't have the budget of, um, you know, some of these other companies have. So, so it seems to me like it's uh, important. So I couldn't agree more. Um, what else should we cover off, Joel? Because I feel like we're so serious. <laughs> you have to tell me something fun that's happened to you, like in the last couple of months. Oh boy, so much. I got married at the beginning of June. Um, we've kind of been putting it off, and finally, finally got got that wrapped up. That was exciting. <laughs> it's not a project, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was wonderful. I mean, it was just just a wonderful day. Um, everything about it. That's pretty cool. Congratulations. So, Thank you. So, baby on the way. Uh, already got a baby. Just got married. Have you got a dog? No, we have a cat. Yeah, still with a cat. I just got a puppy, and it's it's a uh, it's lovely, but God, it's. Hard. I was a dog owner for like 34 years, and uh, just got to a point where I, I said, "Look, I don't want to own a dog again for a long time." Um, <laughs> having a cat, it's a little easier. You leave some food and water out. You can get away going skiing for a night or two. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so what else has been going on? Yeah. Do you guys all get together? Like I so say, you've got some people uh, up there with you, but like, do you try and bring all the team together, or do you? Like, how does that work? Boy, we'd sure like to. It's a it's a monumental effort, I think, to coordinate that. Uh, recently, we had a group of our guys in Europe. They're you know they're all over Europe, um, East and West Europe, get together in Prague. Um, that was really neat just to hear about. We've had some some of those guys uh, come visit HQ here. We've certainly brought people out um, to HQ from time to time and would like to do more of that. I think it's, it's really good for building the relationships and yeah. it's, a uh, it, 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 you know, it's enjoyable too when you like yeah. all the people you work with. Yeah. We always try and get everybody together around Imagine, but I think next year we're going to try and change that a little bit and do it separately. But we haven't managed to get together the whole team, I don't think, ever actually, in one, at one time. It's quite a difficult thing to do. I know tax shall do it, but yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's a feat to pull off. So I need to come and see you. Uh, come pay a visit to Denver. And you're are you in Denver? Yeah, I, I, North, I, I think last time I asked, you said you'd never been here to Colorado to Denver. I have been to Denver. I have. Oh. Yeah, no, I have. Um, but you're are you in Boulder? Or you're in Denver. As people say. Our office Denver. is our office is in Boulder County. Uh, we're just outside the city. Okay, because yeah, people say they're in Denver, and then and then you find out they're not. They're in like Yellowstone National Park or something. They're not Yellowstone, <laughs> you know, the other one. What's it called? Totally. Yeah, no, I've been there. I've been to um, I've been there when outside of skiing season to that really strange place that's called something like Beautiful America, but it's not called that. It's got a really strange name <laughs> that's very American. Maybe um, maybe like Crested Butte or. No, it's called something like not. Beautiful. It's got this really I'll look it up and I'll send it over to you. But it was the strangest <laughs> place. It was like a load of ski lodges and it was a bit like a Disney ski town. I'll find yeah. it and I'll, I'll tweet it out. But the, um, yeah, I've been up there and I've been to Denver. We actually looked at moving to Denver when we, you know, like considering what towns to move to in America. But my husband likes fishing and he was he just put his foot down. But 
that's, he's like, that's too far from the coast. But that was a beautiful got place. It. How do you guys like the States? I mean, you've been here a couple of years now. Is six it a big years. adjustment or kind of, yeah, well, six, really? Six okay, I've, maybe I've known you seven or eight then. <laughs> Practically all my life. Um, the uh, No, we really like it. I mean, you couldn't ask for a nicer community or set of people and like people like yourselves in the Magenta community, but people in the office as well. Like the whole American, I think sometimes Americans get a bad rap from abroad, you know, like because honestly, sometimes you don't portray yourself well from an international perspective, I would say. But when you actually come and sit and spend time with Americans, like there's a there's a genuine warmth about people in this country that I think is unmatched anywhere. Um, but it's not absolutely. Yeah, I don't know that people always see that when you don't live here, right? When you, but you're you're so friendly and and uh, nice. And uh, I when I go back to England, it's it's uh, England's you know a good place, but. People don't really talk to each other that much over there. And that, after a while, you're just like, oh, I just want to get back to America because, you know, you can walk down the street <laughs> and people will say hello to you, you know, and people will help you out. You know, if your car breaks down, somebody will come along and offer you a lift. And I don't know where, it's where you are, but certainly where I am in Texas, it's a bit like that. Yeah, I think people here in Colorado are pretty great. I, I don't know that that's true everywhere in the U.S. Um, it's true. I mean, there's pockets, and I'm sure there's parts of Austin where it's a bit icy, but... I think as as a as a whole, it's a it's a it's a great country. So I like it. It's not too not too hot for you down there. Uh, I get out in the summer, but <laughs> air conditioning is really good. All right, let's wrap it up. Uh, thanks for coming on, Joe. I really appreciate talking to you. Yeah, absolutely, Karen. Anytime. Cheers.